You're listening to the Sojourn Church New Albany sermon series, Family Matters. In this series, we speak into the most contentious societal issues of our day, not with the world's wisdom, but with God's. The blood of Jesus has ransomed people from every tribe, nation, and language across the earth. And this diverse, reconciled church will reign alongside Christ into eternity. So now go ahead, let's go ahead and stand, if you are able, for the reading of God's word. It's from Revelations. Then I saw a scroll at the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represented the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words, You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seal and open it, for you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, they sang, Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I was thinking about this, it was disorienting, uh, trying to figure it out and what does it say and what does it mean. Um, It got me thinking about early mornings, which I have many of now. My children have the spiritual discipline of being awake. Uh, they don't sleep, and now uh, they get up early for things like school and stuff. So if you, if you don't have children or your children are grown, encourage those who look like this, what it was like to go to sleep and to stay asleep. Um, and so do you remember your last really early morning, uh, like your before sunrise, early morning? And yeah, you remember how awful that is? Um, and the alarm goes off. And you're just, everything in you has that holy prayer, you know, five more minutes, just a little bit more time. Um, It's it's just very disorienting 
When I wake up that early now, usually there's a child kicking me, and it's like, what is this on my face? And now I'm, I'm almost 38. I know, I know. And my body creaks in the morning now. I didn't do that before. And so it's a little bit painful waking up, and it takes a while to get the engine going. The room is dark. There's almost always a Paw Patrol toy, or now it's Mario, or there's something on the ground that wasn't there the night before that my kids played with at 3 in the morning or something, and so you're kicking that. You all know what I'm talking about, right? Fussy unpleasantness of waking up so early in the morning. I genuinely don't like it, and I'm often saying to myself or to the Lord, please, Lord, five more minutes. Um, What's interesting about that, though, is if you get up that early and get going, you may have the privilege of being in a car when it's still dark outside. And if you drive, maybe you've got far enough to go, uh, you become witness to the daily miracle of God's creation, that is the sunrise. Have you ever had that kind of experience? You have to get up early, it's brutal, and it's painful, and you start driving, and you realize how beautiful a sunrise over Indiana fields could be? You know those kinds of sunrises where the sky is on fire, where the clouds have colors, you're not even sure it you didn't really know they existed, the bright oranges and the pinks. and the, It's like the sky is, is on fire, and it can almost take your breath away. Uh, somehow, the pain of that early morning wake-up gives way to this, this refreshment of beauty, and it's invigorating and enlivening. And there's been so many times where I've had that kind of experience that as I'm watching the sunrise, it's as if something else whispers into me, all of this beauty is worth it. Or to get a little crazier, something inside of me will say, you should get up this early more often. This is a tangible example, I guess, a concrete example that maybe you've experienced. And I think that experience points a bit to a spiritual reality that the scriptures will attest to, uh, that so often humans will prefer the darkness to the light. We would prefer to stay in bed five minutes longer There are parts of us that long for the darkness and to remain blissfully unaware. Stepping into the light is often quite painful if you've ever done that, if you've confessed something long hidden, if you've faced something new about yourself or about others. And often in that pain of coming clean, we can have that same sleepy morning prayer of just five more minutes. I'll confess tomorrow. We find all the reasons to say why coming clean right now isn't okay. Again, part of us longs for the light, and part of us prefers the darkness. And I think wise people are aware of this. I think the Apostle John is aware of this in this scene from Revelation. So there's a couple of things we know we can say real clearly here. Look at verse 1. I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. You got writing, as much writing as can go on a scroll. It's sealed with seven seals. And this is a few, one of the few images in Revelation that there is pretty broad consensus on of what this scroll is. And most would agree this is the scroll of the destiny of humanity. It's the story of us. It's where we're going and how all of this will end. And just think about that for a second. What would you give to know how your story ends? And not in an abstract way, but you know what the next 20 years would look like for you. You know how your job will go. You know what the, how your death will go. You know how your children will turn out. To be able to see that in such vivid detail, what would you give? John continues, I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, 
Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. There's no one who can handle the destiny of humanity. There's no one who is worthy to open that and reveal that beauty to the world. Why? The same John that wrote this um, shared this indictment of Jesus from earlier in Jesus' life. So from John 3, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. There's a proclivity in most of us to prefer the darkness before we follow Christ. To be human in a broken world is to have a bent towards darkness. We cannot see the beauty of our future because we are not worthy. It's hard to imagine it, and it's more difficult to hold it. The beauty of the light that could be ours is too much for any one of us to handle. We are not worthy. We have preferred the darkness. And so what does John do? He weeps bitterly. The phrase means noisy grief. He's wailing. He's screaming. These aren't gentle single tears. He's weeping because he wants something so badly, but he can't see it, and he's not worthy to open it and reveal it. But God himself made a way. The lion of the tribe of Judah comes. Verse 6 through 8, Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but now was standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. A lamb is found worthy to open and hold the scroll, a lamb who had been slaughtered. There are living beings and elders, and these are poetic ways that John is trying to say everything. So, for example, the 24 elders, most people think that's from the the 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament and the 12 disciples in the New, and this is a summary of saying all the people of God and all of church history, this is a gathering. All things, all people are worshiping before the Lord. Old covenant and new, they fall before the Lamb and worship Him with a new song, a song that was not possible until this moment, a song that clues us into what's contained in that scroll, the story of us and where we will go. And so this group sings, you are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Through the shed blood of the Lamb of God, all people may come home to God. All tribes, all languages, all nations, all tongues have been ransomed by God and hear the destiny of all people. You have caused them, those who are worshiping the Lamb of God, to become a kingdom of priests for our God forever, and they will reign on the earth. A diverse, harmonious, unified humanity ruling, reigning over the earth just as a diverse, harmonious, and unified God reigns over heaven. To put it another way, Jesus' prayer that God's kingdom come, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven will be fulfilled so above, above, so below. Through the shed blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, God's will will be done. His kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. And try to imagine what this final scene looks like. I looked again I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne, 
of the living elders or living beings and the elders, they sang in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. And they sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever. Thousands and millions. I think that means a lot. It's, you can almost hear him grasping for language to try to describe the overwhelming beauty of what he's seeing. Thousands and, and millions and stuff on the earth and stuff under the earth and stuff in the sea. And he's trying all these different ways to help us see the totality of what is coming, the, the diversity and yet the harmony and the unity, all of these different creatures and beings and kinds of beings together with one purpose, worshiping the Lamb of God. This is our destiny. This is the future that is too beautiful for us to achieve, or frankly, to even imagine on our own. But the shed blood of the Lion of Judah, the the Lamb of God, has made it so. His indwelling spirit will make it so. The power of Jesus is the reconciliation of all things to himself. Things above the earth and under the earth and in the sea and in the heavens and everything. All people to himself and all people to each other, united in one song, thousands of millions, in all languages, all around the world, crying out, worthy is the Lamb, blessing and honor and glory and power to the Lamb forever. This is our story, and this is our destiny. Sojourn began 20 years ago, which is wild to believe if you've been around for any period of time. It was a small group of people who were unsure of what they were doing or where it would lead. But there was a desire, a small seed of desire. Does anybody know what Sojourn's first mission statement was? It's the kind of mission statement a 20-year-old would write. But it's beautiful and true. The gospel changes everything. (laughs) So it's like, what do you guys want to do? We want to change everything which is a worthy goal, I would say. Uh, It's perhaps a bit naive. Um, It's a bit abstract. It's hard to market that. What do you mean? It's bad for the brand. But that was at the heart. The gospel changes everything. There was a desire to hear those voices like we're being, that are being described here in Revelations, thousands and millions singing in praise. It was a group of people that believed that Jesus was for everyone and anyone could come to him. A group that believed that Jesus' death and resurrection were, were powerful enough to bring all kinds of people together, to go deeper and to go further together than we could apart. We believed that Jesus could change our hearts, he could change our families, he could change our friends, and he could change our city. And today... This is wild, you guys, to me at least. There are literally thousands of people around Louisville and here in southern Indiana and now online on Facebook, but thousands of people that would call Sojourn Church home, worshiping with us at six different Sojourn churches. And by different, I mean different. Look different, sound different. We've seen dozens of churches, dozens and dozens of churches partner or planted across our country through the Sojourn Network church planting network. We've seen hundreds of people be sent out around the world to start churches and to serve people. All because we want to be in that place 
and we want to hear those voices, and we want to worship the Lamb who was slain. And I hope for us as a church that we still want that today, that we have not lost our first love. I hope that despite bigger buildings, more people, complexity, having children, that we still want to join all nations, all tribes, all tongues to worship the Lamb who was slain. And I hope the next 20 years are filled with us renewing our desire to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. One of our goals in this series we've been in, this Family Matters series, has been to try to help us see how important a diverse, harmonious, unified family is to the God of the universe. It's not a cultural issue. It's not a right now happening issue. I, I, I don't know. The, to see that this kind of family, diversity, unity, and harmony, is not a perk of some churches, right? Well, that's an interesting way of doing church. That must be nice. A diverse, harmonious, unified family is a priority for all godly churches. We want to prepare for that glorious day that we've just read about. We want to start preparing for it now because we want God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We don't want to just wait for one day when it comes. And so we work to ensure all of God's image bearers can live into God's design for their lives. There is nowhere else I would rather be than Sojourn Community Church. Um, nothing has shaped me more than my time at this church in terms of my walk with Jesus, and I am overwhelmed with gratitude. We've said for a long time that healthy families can have hard conversations, and healthy families can name the good and the bad about their family. And despite all of the beauty that has come from Sojourn Church, a diverse, unified, harmonious family has not always been a priority. The gospel changes everything is true. It's still true. The gospel changes everything. There have been many realities we simply were not aware of, though. And if you're not aware of something, you won't do anything about it. If you're not aware of something, it cannot be a priority. So let's look at this photo here for a second. This photo has been on the screen for six weeks now. There's the fuller photo. Some of you have been able to play find me in that picture, like find you, you know what I mean? Some of you are in that picture. This photo was taken in the parking lot of our first building, the 930 Art Center. At the time, at that church, that we had four services, 9, 11, 5, and 7. Uh, any aspiring preachers out there, I would not recommend doing four services. It's a brutal experience for the ones doing it, but it was kind of cool at the time. We were young and dumb. And... So this photo was taken after the 7 o'clock service at the 9.30. And the idea was, you see how we're kind of in the shape of an old church building and someone's holding the cross at the top. The idea was to say the church is a people. We are not a building. We are a group of people. And so I look at this picture with great, great fondness and great memories um, of our time at the 9.30 Art Center and all the Lord did in me there and all the Lord did in the city of Louisville. I look at this now. We don't need to say anything out loud, but I, I just want you to consider as you look at that picture now, who is not in that picture? Do you notice there aren't very many children? And we could say, you know, this was after the 7 o'clock service. Those are the college students. They didn't have kids. Um, 
I don't know of anyone at Sojourn who would say this is an un- unusual looking picture for what Sojourn looked like in 2009, 2010. Do you notice there aren't any empty nesters there? Not that I can see. I know the photo's in black and white. I don't think anyone in there has gray hair. Maybe one or two, I don't know. You notice how few black people there are, how few Asian people, and how few Latino people there are? In one of the most diverse parts of Louisville? Do you notice in that photo how everyone basically looks white and in their mid-20s? And I would, I would guess if 10 years ago you weren't white and you weren't in your mid-20s, you probably felt a little bit out of place at Sojourn. I know there have been many folks who felt that way here in our early days at New Albany. Now, what I want to say is, not having those people, all those different kinds of people, was never a strategy of sojourn. For the last 10 years, I've been in the room where those kinds of decisions happen. And we never sat back and said, hey, you know what? You know who we don't want at church? That never happened. But diversity... Harmony, unity was an abstract thought, and we had no texture or concrete awareness of what that means. And so to have people who weren't like us there was not a priority. We did not have a big enough concern for the poor, the oppressed, the marginalized. We were happy to serve them, do things for them in the neighborhood, but we didn't want to live with them or be them. We didn't have a big enough concern for diversity, the value of surrounding ourselves with people different than we are. Again, it was never a deliberate choice. I think we didn't have a big enough gospel. We didn't have a big enough vision of God's design to make this a priority. We didn't have a vision compelling enough and beautiful enough to see what our vision statement really meant, that the gospel changes everything. To put it bluntly, we accidentally built a church that was just for people like us. Looked like us, sang like us, listened to music like us, talked like us. And I would argue that Sojourn Church is mostly beautiful. I'm mostly proud of who we are and where we've come. It's, the story of Sojourn is a glorious story of God's grace to us and to this city. But moving forward... I want us to build a church for Christ, not for us. That doesn't just make room for all tribes, all tongues, all nations. That says, yeah, you're allowed to come into the service if you want. We don't just make room, but we pursue diversity. We pursue harmony. We pursue unity. Do we believe that the family of God matters? All tribes, all nations, all tongues. That phrase is repeated more than once in the scriptures. And this is the image of the end of all things. Do we believe that this kind of family matters to God? Do we believe that the lives of the people that weren't in that picture matter? Do we believe they have something to offer to our church and to the kingdom of God in this place? Do we want the next 20 years to be more beautiful than the last 20? My hope for this series that we've been through, that Some of you perhaps are excited that today's the last day. I don't know how you're feeling about it. We're going back into Matthew next week. So verse by verse is back next week. My my hope in this series was to help us love God more so that we could see 
his intention for his creation. We could more fully see his design for his people and his church. And that seeing that, we would love people differently, different than we are. And I'm not just, this is not just a race issue. I've sat with so many people with gray hair talking about how out of place they felt at Sojourn for so long. Do we really think that the generation who's gone before us, who have been Christians longer than most of us have been alive, has nothing to offer us? We would love people who are different than we are. We would learn to love, and not just to serve and do things for, we would learn to love those who are easy to dismiss. We would love even when it's costly. We would love even when it crosses lines of politics or race or class. And so I'm asking you who call this place home, can you believe with me that the next 20 years can be more beautiful? There may be painful days in front of us, The last year has been quite painful, I would say. Uh, We had an elaborate 20-year anniversary planned, and we we were going to rent out a huge park, and all that. We were going to have thousands of people, and you know, here we are in a socially distanced auditorium singing with masks on. But I am convinced that despite the pain that may be in front of us, very, very soon we will see the beauty of an Indiana sunrise. We will see the light of Christ shining on a diverse harmonious, unified people, and the Spirit of God will whisper to us, this is worth it. This was worth it. So we thank God for what has gone before us, and we trust Him to do far more than we could ask or imagine going forward. Through a simple desire for more, God made a way. He made a way for a Bible study. A Bible study turned into a church plant. A church plant turned into a church and became two churches, and became three churches, and four churches, and five, and now six. God has made a way through glory and loss, beauty and pain, suffering and joy. God has made a way for us. And as he leads us into a bright future, he will make a way for our sojourn. The power of Jesus, it promises us a beautiful tomorrow. And I hope you're with me, and you want that, and you see that, and we're going to pursue that. And so we anchor ourselves in this reality week after week to remind ourselves that Jesus began this and he will carry it. So we remember the night he was betrayed. Jesus took a loaf of bread. He thanked God for it and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. After the meal was over in the same way, he took a cup of wine. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant, which seals your relationship with God. Drink this in remembrance of me. And so we, we remember what unites us as a diverse, harmonious, and unified family, the body of Christ given for us and the blood of Christ shed for us. It eternally secures us as the family of God. So I invite you to open up your cup. Take the wafer and remember the body of Christ was given for you. Open the juice and... I pray you feel the wonder of this. Despite our preference for darkness, despite our preference to get five more minutes of sleep, despite our preference to be around people who are just like us, the blood of Christ was shed for us, which sets us free and keeps us safe with God forever. So drink this and remember what he's done for you. Thank you for listening. Keep in touch with Sojourn New Albany on Facebook 
or download the free Sojourn Collective app for iPhone or Android, where you can see our full library of sermon series audio and video, discussion questions, event calendar, ministries, and much more.